Uh, so um, how much is that? Welcome everybody to the podcast editors mastermind, the only show about the business of podcast editing. I'm Carrie Caulfield, Eric, and I am joined by Brian Ensminger of toptieraudio.com. And then, Carrie, are we going around? Uh, I, you... I guess it's only us. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> Daniel left. Um... <laughs> this is how we roll. Right. Yeah. So uh, with us uh, this evening, we have Mary Chan of Organized Sound Productions. Mary comes from um, radio and had a career there and then transitioned into podcast editing voice acting, and basically all the things. And then Andrea is, oh my goodness, I mean, you girls just do so much. So uh, <laughs> Andrea is from the Creative Imposter Studios, um, and she works with organizations, companies, and leaders who want to use audio content to tell stories. Um She's working with the Santa Fe Op- Opera, the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs Institute. I'm going to like reread the intro, but you you guys, <laughs> you guys do so much. And I don't want to get like too bogged down in bios because we only have an hour. And I have so much I, I want to ask you guys. Carrie, real quick. Why is your name Brian and Daniel's co-host? <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, So funny story, when I was at Podcast Movement, people kept coming up to me and being like, you you look so familiar. Do I know you from somewhere? And then they think about it for a second and they'd be like, oh, you're Brian and Daniel's Uh (laughs) co-host. They don't realize she's the one pulling all the strings. Right? Seriously. It's the way around. So, so yeah, so I was just thinking about that today. So it's like, oh, that would be totally funny. So, um, but thank you for joining us today because this is really selfish of me because you guys really do a lot. You are very amazing podcast editors and coaches and creative people. So I just really wanted to pick your brain because each of you, um, really seem to have found your niche, right, in, in what you do. Mary, you're very, like, voice-focused, right? You talk a lot about voice. You talk, you know, speaking, breathing, those kinds of things. Andrea, you are so creative. Like, you really focus in, like, hone in on those arts, and you're working um, with nonprofits and in creative entrepreneurs. And, Mary, you're working really with women, um, really powerful women-led businesses. And so I just, I'm excited to pick your brain. So welcome. That's my long way of saying, oh my God, I'm trying not to fangirl a little bit, but I am totally. Um, oh, and happy International Podcast Day, everyone. Yeah, I'm seeing all these messages coming up on the chat that are saying happy International Podcast Day. And I'm starting to feel a little bit like it's our birthday. <laughs> Collectively, who brought the cake? Almost. I know, right? <laughs> Forgot to budget for that. We'll yeah. plan for it next year. Yeah, so mail me a slice. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> It'll exactly. get stopped at the border. You know it will. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, I guess we just, you know, since we have two of you on tonight, and, and I did that for a reason because um, I just kind of wanted to compare and contrast what y'all, your your magic sauce. Um, so let's start with Mary. A- and how how did you figure out who you wanted to work with? Was it like, did you come into this knowing exactly who you wanted to work with or? Heck no, no. <laughs> It was all trial by error. <clears throat> I knew that I wanted to make a difference somehow in working with people that would make a difference. And then as I worked with more people, I realized it was just more women coming to me. And then I thought back to what I did in my radio career where I was a commercial producer. So I would have small business owners come to me, voice their commercial, or the announcers would voice you know, whatever they need to voice, and I would make a commercial out of it. And the women, I always remembered the women was always so thankful at my direction, at how I could bring their voice to life. And they were, they were more appreciative. While the men tend to have more of an ego and they always thought they came in knowing what to do and that they had a great, powerful radio voice. And so I realized I wanted to nurture more of those voices, the ones that felt they didn't belong or that they didn't have that radio voice. And I translated that into the podcasting space. So same question for you, Andrea. Did you know you wanted to work with creatives? I mean, like I'm always surrounded by creatives. My background includes theater and music and performance and film production. So that's my world. But in terms of business, no, I just wanted anyone at all to pay me to do something. <laughs> exactly. I- <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> pay me, please. <laughs> I honestly, um, my, my business sort of started a, a little bit by accident. I was making my podcast uh, starting in 2015, The Creative Imposter. And I knew somehow eventually it was going to be a business, but I wasn't really 100% sure what that business model was or or what I would be doing. Am I doing? Am I a creative coach? Am I consulting with people? Uh, before that, I had a yoga and meditation business. So I was still talking a lot about like mindfulness and meditation techniques. And people were asking me how they're like, oh, that's so cool. You started a podcast. How do I do that? I, th- I think I want to do that. And I was giving away a lot of advice for free. And then it sort of like clicked like, ding, you need an income because you're not really working right now. I was like, I was teaching a little bit of yoga and meditation here and there, but not a sustainable income. And so I just said on my podcast on a whim kind of one day, like, if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, schedule a call with me, blah, blah, blah. And then someone did, and we had a call. And at the end of the call, she's like, yeah, I'm ready to sign up. I'd like to work with you. How do I do it? And I freaked out because I didn't have a package. I didn't have a price. I didn't have a service. I had nothing because never in a million years did I think that anyone at all would book the call and then actually sign up to work with me. So I was like, well, great. I'll put together a proposal for you and I'll get back to you. <laughs> and that was just launch consulting. That wasn't even editing. So then she also became my first editing client because once her show was launched, she wanted me to teach her how to edit. And we set up a coaching session. And five minutes into the session, she was like, you know what? I'm still going to pay you for this hour, but I'm going to stop you right now. 
I don't ever want to do this. Ah. Can I just pay you to edit for me? And I was like, oh, hmm, can she? Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. She's like, how much does that cost? I'm like, I will send you a proposal. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I literally like no idea. No idea what what my niche was or even what my business model was. I, I was clueless. So were these first, so for each of you, were the the first clients you had, were they even like in a niche or like? The first client I had uh, was a chiropractor. Okay. <laughs> a woman though. So okay. I was like, that's cool. Woman chiropractor. Uh, so we, again, it was just who, who wants to pay me? And it turned out she loved my radio background and she really wanted to have a broadcast quality podcast as much as she could. And so that's kind of been my niche as well. I'll always talk about how I worked in radio, so I want to continue that broadcast quality sound and bring that to you on your podcast because you can create that even though you're recording in your office, in your living room, in your bedroom or closet, etc. So kind of talked a bit more about that because people, depending on the podcast, the entrepreneur, usually the organizations, if it's like a nonprofit, they'll they'll hang on to that and think, oh, I want that. I want that for my show. So Brian, I'm going to ask you, yeah. do you think that you have a niche? Like, No. I and I okay. want to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What do you want as your niche? Well, yeah. that that's kind of the challenge, right? Um, so I I do work with a fairly wide variety of people. I've got um, a few hosts that are business owners that kind of the online business model, like they they have an online business and this is part of their marketing machine. Um, and I've got a mix of male and female clients. I've got some that are more um, nonprofit or ministry focused. Uh, and then I've got uh, a couple that are, what I would call medium to big sized businesses where this is part of their marketing and um, they have different needs and somewhat different expectations. And it is a bit of a challenge to kind of keep all that stuff in my head. I mean, I, I have my process that I take things through and so generally things work, but um, I kind of struggle with that because every time I think I've kind of nailed down who that niche is, like I was, I was going to go, okay, well let's, let's work with, newish businesses in sort of that one to $5 million range, like trying to find that. What I found was that the couple of clients or potential clients that I could get to not only struggled with the budget, but also didn't have a big enough team to where they could take enough off their plate to do the parts that they need to do. And it wasn't like, wasn't asking a lot. I'm like, record the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I mean, they've got other stuff going on. And so I, I'm just uh, clearly not connecting with that group of people who have enough or of that group of people, people that have enough interest in doing it to actually make it a priority. So uh, it's something I continue to struggle with. Nice long answer to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have another uh, viewpoint on niche too, which might be a clue into how you can sort of narrow that down. So uh, Carrie was mentioning that my niche was creative organizations and business owners. And actually, I would not necessarily define my niche that way. I think oh. that's probably about, that is a a common characteristic. But I also work with a wholesale flooring distribution company in Western Canada. I also work with 
a credit union in New Mexico. I also work with a sales trainer in um, the Midwest. And so what I actually discovered my niche was, was not something that I sought out, but it makes perfect sense. And it was a business coach who I hired who pointed it out to me because I didn't know what my niche was. Just again, anybody who wanted to pay me, who (laughs) I enjoyed working with. And what it actually was, was someone either representing an organization or company or a small business owner who wanted to use podcasting in a mission-driven way to change status quo in whatever niche they happen to be in. So the thing that my flooring distribution company in Western Canada has in common with the Santa Fe Opera is that each of them are not thinking of their podcast as like, oh, we need our podcast so that we can get more customers, just like in that linear kind of way, like it's just a marketing tool. They're thinking of their podcast as an educational outreach mechanism for whatever it is that their mission is within their organization. So when I talk about my niche more intentionally now, thanks to the help of that business coach, I talk about organizational leaders and businesses who want to shift the status quo in their niche through podcasting. Totally agree with that because I think when people think of a niche, they're thinking like, you know, health and wellness coaches only or financial podcasts. And that's not really what I do. Like, I don't care if that's your um, podcast category or theme. But my value, and I have this on my website, is that I want to work with women who have a message to spread and they want to change the world. That's my niche. So like Andrea, same thing. I, you know, they could be a health and wellness coach. They can be a financial planner. I have rappers. I have, um, you know, like they, they don't connect, but they connect because they want to make a difference in their community and in their network. So how long did it take you to figure this out? I know, Andrea, you said that your business coach helped you with that. And I'm I'm curious, like, when was that? Like, how long ago was that? Was that like uh, when you around when you first started or was it yesterday? (laughs) No, I would say that that was. When was I working with her? So I started podcasting in 2015. I probably started with my first client in 2016 or 2017. And then I was working with her. It was definitely pre-pandemic, probably 2019, when I really started to figure that out. And part of that was sort of this shift that I had made, again, almost by accident, away from thinking of myself as just, and I don't want to say this to diminish podcast editing because I'm not doing that at all, but instead of limiting my description as podcast editor or launch consultant, I started to expand that by necessity to producer and strategist because as I had the opportunity to work with larger companies and larger organizations rather than just like an independent solopreneur, then they needed more. They needed me to, they needed someone to do more than just edit the audio. Like they needed a strategy. They needed to know 
what equipment to buy. They needed to know how to plan out, like, are we doing seasons or is this an ongoing podcast? They needed to figure out what is our content what is our actual content strategy? What is the format of our show? Are we doing interviews? Or are we doing something more complex? Do we need music? And so it was sort of like they needed that. They asked me, can I do that? And they were willing to hand me a check. So I was like, yes, I do that. You know, <laughs> I, I, whatever someone would ask me to do, I would have this momentary imposter syndrome, panic, consult with like three people who I trust. And they would all be like, yeah, you know how to do that. Just figure it out say yes, and then figure it out as I go. So sort of figuring out how to provide what those clients needed. And then I was like, cool, I like doing this. I don't know how to market myself to do more of this. And so working with that coach, she was like, she kept saying to me, you don't actually need to do that much outbound marketing. She's like, this is going to turn into inbound marketing for you. And you're just going to need to figure out your languaging, your packages, your systems, this is going to shift for you without much effort on your part. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep letting people know what you're doing. And so it was sort of just letting all of that kind of sit and simmer. And she was the one who kind of was coaching me on copy for my website, actually, because that was one of my goals. That, like, I, I wanted to work with her to help figure out my website. And yet she's like giving me this whole identity rebrand. Yeah, because <laughs> you your know? website, and I said in the email I sent out for this live to go look at both of y'all's websites, because the copy on it is spectacular. Um, but Mary, uh, Mary, before I talk about any of that, um, so when did you figure out, like, uh, you know, your, your niche is, like, <clears throat> mission-driven people? I was... So I got laid off of radio in 2018, April, and it wasn't soon after. It was June of 2018 when I started the business. So when it was it was just editing because I needed food on the table. What can I do? I know audio editing. Maybe I can help people with that. Oh my gosh, this could be a thing. And so I just tried to find anybody who would pay me, as we said. But then as the towards the end of that year, I was realizing that I needed to be again what Andrea was saying more than just an editor because people were asking me about launching, about how to create your own show, and all the nuts and bolts. So, and somewhere in that time frame, I can't remember when did I join the Justbusters group? Somewhere around there, or maybe it was early 2019. But it was actually Emily Peck Prokop, right? Is that how you pronounce her last yeah. name? It was Emily who said she calls herself or her company a podcast production company. And I was like, oh my God, that is exactly it. That's, that's what I do. And I realized it's just this little mindset shift that you need to do in order to then take it to the next level. So then when I started calling myself a podcast production company and like networking and stuff, people were like, oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Tell me more about your business. And they were really interested in that. So then I was like, oh, um, I edit podcasts. I don't know. And so I, I, I wanted to get a, a, a give people a better answer basically was what it was. And so I just started doing research and figuring out, okay, what is it that I love? What is it that I like doing? What is it that I hate doing? 
and really just prioritizing what those were, finding out what my value is. So then I have a mission. I know what I have the vision. And it also came down to knowing what I hated doing at the radio station. I hated producing car commercials. They all sound the same. (laughs) And, you know, or sometimes there would be a salesperson who always sold to the same type of business. And I never liked working on any of his clients' work. So from that, I, I knew what I liked and what I didn't like so that I could sort of create something. And then I just slowly changed it. Well, not changed it, but like tweaked my wording as it went. And then I think it was late 2019, I revamped my website to make sure that it was more polished looking, more professional, so that I could get higher paying clients like a nonprofit organization. Brian, do you have anything to like? I don't want to just like roll over you. So <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just eating it all up right now because um, right now I kind of feel like the baby in the room. So <laughs> I'm just oh. going to kind of watch and not babble too much. Okay. No, because what I think is really important here is that it took each of you time to sort through this and figure out what that niche was. Mm-hmm. And it took actually doing the work. Um, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it just te- took going through it, trial and error to figure out what what your niche was, who you wanted to work with. Um, let's, uh, Andrea, you shared how you got your first client, actually, which is really interesting. And so that's why a benefit to having a podcast, right, is that you can communicate with your clients. What about you, Mary? Who? How did that first client come for you? I, because I was not on Facebook, I didn't want to do anything with Facebook. Then I realized I'm starting a business. I probably should be on Facebook. So I did. And then I found all the podcasting groups. I'm like, oh, this is where podcasters hang. And it was some, I don't remember what the podcast group was, but it was some random group that I don't even think I'm involved in anymore. But she had a post that just said, I'm producing a show. I want it to be you know, more broadcast quality. I have all these elements that I want involved, but I can't seem to put it together. Anybody got any tips? And then I just chimed in with, I got some tips, da 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 and I can help too. I worked in radio and I kind of, not realizing it, I sold myself to her at the time in that one message. Oh, you gave yeah. it all away. Pretty much. Okay. And then, yeah. And then in the end, I was like, oh, wait, I, I can help you. I can do this. <laughs> Right. I want people to pay me. Right. <laughs> and then she did. Um, so wait, I lost, I lost my train of thought. Um, okay. So how was that? So, you, you know, after your first client, how did that shift for you? What, what do you like, what do you do now to find clients? Is it like something you do actively or is it, you know, what What did that look like from that? Like, oh, I hope somebody will pay me to actually doing it now. I know it's a big question, so. <laughs> well, I, so I tried a lot of things that didn't really yield much results. Um, I think what started to snowball a little bit for me is Social media worked for me, but not in the way that most people think that it should work. So promoting my services or my business on social media didn't work. What 
did work was most of my clients that I have and that have been long-term and that have stuck with me are through referral, honestly. Referral from existing clients, yes. And also referrals from random people I know in my personal network who I'm connected with on social media who know what I do because of posting. So because I post on my personal Facebook profile, sometimes about podcasting, I had friends who had friends who worked at organizations who happened to mention, oh yeah, we're launching a podcast at our organization and we're looking for an editor. That friend was like, ding, 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 Andrea does editing, puts me in contact with them. And then that opens the conversation through referral. And then that organization becomes a client. They become happy with the services. Someone else they know in their network is like, oh, we're starting a podcast for our company. Who are you working with? Oh, you should work with Andrea. She's amazing. So that's why somehow I ended up... I have four shows that I produce that are all based in New Mexico. I don't live in New Mexico. I live in Chicago. (laughs) But it started with the Santa Fe Opera. And that was a personal connection A friend of mine that we knew each other from when we were both working in arts admin in the early 2000s, he moved away, was working in PR for the opera, came back to Chicago to visit. We went out for Oktoberfest at the German bar and we were drinking beer out of the boot. And he's like, so what are you even doing these days? And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, editing podcasts. And he's like, oh, I have a client for you. It's the opera. And that was my first, like, I had no organizations. Like, that was my first big client. And when I said I edited podcasts, he interpreted that as something much bigger than what I was thinking (laughs) that was. (laughs) And so when he set up, like, a cocktail meeting with, you know, people from the opera, and they took me out for, like, drinks at this fancy bar and, like, appetizers... And they kept pouring wine in my glass and they were telling me all about their vision for their NPR-esque podcast. And I'm like, I feel really drunk right now. And I don't know (laughs) if I can do what they think I can do. (laughs) And it just sort of spiraled. Yes, drinking out of the boot is extremely dangerous. And now in post-COVID times, there's a part of me that wonders if that will ever happen again. I don't know because it's a communal <laughs> boot for those who don't know German traditions. It's not many people are drinking out of the same boot. Oh, I, but, I've only seen mini boot that everybody has. <laughs> no, their it's like a glass at a real style. German place. It is it is two liters of beer in Ooh. one glass boot, and you you pass it around. And the the thing is, you're not supposed to let it sit down. Like it's it's constantly needs to be in someone's hand, like constantly passing until it's empty. You can't set it down. Side note. <laughs> The educational podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but yeah, that was sort of that first organizational client in New Mexico. Then the opera refers me to the next one, refers me to the next one. And then it becomes sort of you work into that whole ecosystem. And, and that was kind of how that happened. And so a lot of that, like I said, is just referral and customer service and just doing a great job for your clients. What about you, Mary? How does that? Yeah, I I would say right now I'm kind of in in the same boat with the referrals, and that's like the ideal situation you want to be in. But leading up to that, yeah, in the beginning it was okay. Let's scour the Facebook groups and podcasting and see what we can find, and 
hopefully I can share a tidbit and someone will like me. Yay. And then it turned out, okay, if I'm going to take this seriously again, thinking mindset, this is a podcast production company. Where can I go to find clients? You actually have to look outside of podcasting. You know, I I joined a women's uh, networking group. There's a local chapter here. I do speaking gigs at other women's networking groups. I do um, more local things to just try and get my name there. And then when I use social media, my social media is my social proof. So I'm not selling my services on social media or I don't that often. It's just about, hey, this is who I am. Sprinkle in how it's related to podcasting. Or, hey, I'm speaking here next week. And then when people come to find you, where they might hear about you through a referral, whatever, they're going to look at your social media no matter what. Oh, yeah. So that's when they see, oh, she knows what she's talking about because she's been doing these speaking gigs or she's been on X podcast and talking about podcasting and all that. So it's almost an easy sell at this point when I get a discovery call come in. I usually ask you, how did you hear about me? I start the conversation that way and they'll say, oh, I heard you from so-and-so. And then they'll say things like, oh, also, you know, I saw on your Instagram account, you blah, 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 blah. And then it, I don't actually have to try and sell them anything. They've already done their research on who I am based on the work that I've done. And so it's usually just, okay, how do I sign up? When, when do, how do I pay? They want to throw money at you because all that marketing has been done in the background. And then now with the referrals, it's the same thing. Oh, where did you hear? You know, I, I, I don't know you. Oh, so-and-so recommended you. And sometimes they're just on a Facebook group as well. And they're like, oh, I heard you through this Facebook group. I'm like, I never heard of that Facebook group. And they're like, oh, so-and-so mentioned your name. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I worked with her, blah, 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 blah. And then just kind of keep that rapport. So... If you if you do the work in the background, people then see that and start wanting to work with you. A hundred percent, Mary. I think it's super smart what you were saying too about speaking gigs, because you just made me think about before I had the organizational clients and and the internal referrals were were really rolling in. I did do a lot of unpaid speaking gigs, t- workshops, training sessions, and most mostly local. There was in Chicago, this place no longer exists, which is a real shame because they really helped me get a start. It was this weird side project by uh, State Farm. And State Farm created this free co-working space. Originally, it was like a coffee shop. <laughs> and you, and like lots of space to work. So the idea was to attract young entrepreneurial types to this coffee shop to work. And then they also provided free classes. Some were personal finance classes, as they are State Farm. And some were just taught by people in the community about whatever topic that happened to be entrepreneurial re- entrepreneurially <laughs> related. And so I started teaching these Every quarter, I had a free podcasting class, how to start a podcast. Oh, for a while, I was doing it monthly, actually. And then, yeah, it was intense. And different po- uh, podcast topics, getting started in editing, launching a show, doing interviews, 
all these different things. And two of my early clients came from that class. And those two clients are still with me. And they have since referred me additional clients. But that was a lot of value add, providing value to the community. I mean, if I think of how many classes I actually taught there for free, and if each class had somewhere between 15 and 30 people in it, and of all of those classes, I got two clients that whole time. But those two clients have turned out to be quite valuable. So there is, you know, putting the work in on the front end and then sort of accumulating that traffic, that reputation, that content, I think is is really important. So uh, you, you guys uh, I'm, are kind of crushing some of the common... Um, advice that people give. Like I think about the internet business gurus and the the thing they say is before you even name your business or pick your, like before you do any of the things you need to define your niche, right? You need to figure out who you want to work with and like all that stuff. And it makes all these things easier. What I think I heard from both of you is that it took some experience to either discover that niche or to define it simply by going, well, I know it's not them. And, and I wonder, and I'm, I'm trying not to get angry here because I've spent a good bit of time going through worksheets to define like, you know, like a good little schoolboy going through all of that stuff. And I'm wondering, like, is there even any value in trying to define a niche before you have enough information to know what that niche is? Like you, you both of you basically found your niche by realizing, oh, these are the people I do like working with, not these are the people I think that I want to work with. What I'm going to back off now. <laughs> well, I think you have to start somewhere. So I don't think it's a bad idea or a waste of time to think about those things and and maybe have an idea of where you're going to start. But sometimes, I don't know. I mean, I think... I think there's no way I would have, because like I said, I didn't even know what service exactly I wanted to offer. So there's no way I would have been able to define a niche. Um, Maybe it would be faster or maybe you would shortcut the process if you did do it in advance. But I can't really imagine without having kissed a few frogs and (laughs) whatnot, how I would have uh, there's a whole thing in my mind going about how entrepreneurship and running a business is personal development. And I don't think I knew enough who I was even in 2015 to be able to know what my niche was. That is a long rabbit hole. And probably we need a boot of beer before we can have that conversation. <laughs> but I'm going to let... ship me a boot of beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let I'm going to let Mary go now. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel kind of the same only that um there's no right or wrong way to do it you know and I think we all need to start somewhere whether you think that is your defined niche or not it's about the progress over perfection if you try and perfect what your niche is now what if you start doing it and it doesn't work in that you don't actually like it or you find it's another niche actually and there's nothing wrong with that so i think instead of trying to perfect what your niche is 
just go ahead and keep doing what it is that you're doing. Go towards what you love doing, what lines up with your own personal values. Because like Andrea was saying, there is a bit of personal development in all of that. And just give it a try. Because I think also what an outside perspective for your niche is, is get, could also be different from what you think it is. Just like what Andrea was saying that Carrie was like, oh, this is your niche. And Andrea's like, well, actually, this is my niche. And that doesn't matter. As long as the client thinks you're good at what you do, I don't really care what the niche is. Like, for example, I have, I'm have i working with this big client right now. It's a big organization. And they were like, oh, yeah, we want to you know, do marketing and we want it this and that. I'm like, yep, honestly, I've nev- I don't do third-party ads. I do more organic growth and reach, but I understand why you want to do third-party ads. Let me figure it out. But just be vulnerable with them and be honest and say, I don't know, but I will find out for you. Then I just got an independent contractor and said, hey, do you know what to do with all of this? If you do, I'll pay you, but I'll be the middleman to talk with the client because it's my client. And so, you know, it's working out. But that working with that stuff isn't my niche. The niche was, I just, I like what the organization is doing. And also I'll say too, that, you know, my first client, because Carrie had asked if the first client was in this niche that we've discovered or even close. And she was because she came to me through my podcast. So my podcast had, uh, I don't know how well-defined it was, but I had an ideal listener in mind for my podcast. I was already creating content for someone who was in a creative area of work, who was more entrepreneurial. Maybe they were shifting from full-time work to being self-employed or being a business owner. So that audience that I was initially reaching out to was already sort of pre-selected by way of defining an audience for my podcast. And even the speaking gigs, that was local Chicagoans who are in an entrepreneurial growth phase and are wanting to learn more about entrepreneurial topics. So that sort of was a predefined, even though I wasn't sitting here thinking, I want to work with entrepreneurs. And, you know, I wasn't like, but because of the places that I was going, it, I knew there was a high chance that the people in those places were going to be aligned with things that I found interesting. So I feel like what you're saying, or just to sum up for everybody, it's like there's some people like Steve Stewart who absolutely know like who their people are. Like he's a financial guy and his, you know, all his network and, you know, and it makes sense. His network is financial people and they know he knows how to do this thing. So it kind of, he kind of fell into the podcast editing thing, right? So that's his niche. And you just kind of found your niche in a roundabout way by going through that journey and figuring out who, who do I want to work with? And then, you know, just keep developing. And it's like, it's like cooking. You're layering on the flavors. You're like, oh, this didn't work, but so now I'm going to do it this way. Um, I always equate it back to podcasting. Okay. Your first yeah. episode <laughs> is going to suck, right? Your first episode just sucks. It might have sounded great when you were doing it because in the time that you were at 
and the knowledge that you had. Yes, it sounded great. But like if you're 20 episodes in, 50, 100, 200 episodes in, your first episode sucks, right? Let's just be honest. And it's going to be the same thing with our podcast editing. We just learn so much more, whether about the craft itself or about who we are or our processes, how we do things. Things change and evolve. And I think we just need to accept that things change and evolve and just go with that as well and not be afraid to try something new. To just do it. Yeah. And just (laughs) go for it. Like he was right all along. So then ultimately is, do we put too much importance on niching down, do you think? I don't think so. I think it is important to, whether you know from the beginning or whether you sort of discover it, I think it it can be very helpful to have a niche because like now, I mean, my website has evolved, the copy has evolved. And now I know who I'm speaking to. And the more specific I can get with my languaging and what I'm offering and who it is for or who it's not for, the fewer calls I have with people who aren't a good fit. Like people can pre-select. So now I'm in a space where I can, I can be more selective about the clients that I work with, which is, in, in, I was not here before, believe me, this is a relatively new development. Uh, and it's a great place to be in. But instead of having a bunch of calls with people who either their budget is nowhere near what it needs to be to work with me, or they're, they are more in a mindset of, this is what I want to get from my podcast rather than this is what I want to do with my podcast because that's an easy that's an easy tell for me when somebody starts the conversation with this is what I want to get out of my podcast I kind of know that they they may not be thinking about it in the right way that I like to work with clients which is more like well what is your podcast doing for your listener mm-hmm. uh, so the more I know that the more my copy reflects that the more my materials, reflect that, the more my content reflects that when I speak at a conference or when I do a talk like this. And so when somebody sees me or hears me or comes across my materials, they're going to self-select a little bit more. It makes the process more streamlined. And then the person who is right will say, that's exactly what I want. She's speaking exactly to me. And then like Mary said, then that discovery call is almost certainly going to yield a positive result because they already know that you get them from the materials that you've created. And the only way that could happen is if you knew that's who you were speaking to. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So then, um, so do you do any kind of like traditional marketing or is it, you know, what does that look like for you guys? Define traditional marketing. Well, well, it's traditional anymore like, these days. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But like, do you have a, a content plan or content strategy or marketing plan? Anything like that? Like, or is it just organic, you know, do it? Because a lot of my stuff is organic. Like, but I also do have like a general umbrella on how I market my stuff. So knowing knowing again that my goal for social media is not to sell myself. It is my social proof. So I try to be active on there, like 
active being. I just post once a week, unless I'm, you know, it's summer and I'm not on there at all. So this past summer, I've been absent. If you've, if you've noticed, if you've yes, noticed. Yes, I have noticed. Actually, I've missed you. <laughs> but that's all right. Sorry. But then also knowing like one, one of my goals is to have approximately five speaking gigs every quarter. And a oh, speaking gig could be like in a virtual event. It could be just be on another podcast. It could be a local networking group or whatever. Um, so that way I'm just showing that I know what I'm talking about. I can promote myself on social media saying, I know what I'm talking about because I'm talking at this pace, place, place, pace, place, or space. We'll, we'll, we'll just go with it. Yeah. It's a late day for me. <laughs> I don't even have a beer with me. Um, but also, you know, I, I invested a lot of money into my website last year. And so I'm getting a lot more traction on my website. And I think it is also because I'm doing these speaking gigs. I'm networking. I am, uh, when I'm networking with, I'd say I'd have at least one or two networking groups that I go to per month. So it's just practicing speaking up, practicing you know, people might say your elevator pitch, but I, I don't really have an elevator pitch. It's based on who my audience is in that space that I'm in. So just being able to practice to say who you are, what you do. So like I learned from Emily. I now say, yeah, my name is Mary Chan. I'm the CEO of Organized Sound Productions, a podcast production and a podcast production company. And if you can just roll that off your tongue, you know, people are going to be like, oh, wow. Or if you don't want to start with your name, then you just have that practice and knowing that when you're at your networking groups, this is part of the marketing. Marketing is just everything that you do when you talk about your business. So, you know, you can say like one of my things that I always say is, have you ever been overwhelmed by Google? You know, you go down the rabbit hole of how do I start a podcast? And there's all these million things. Well, some of that information can be outdated. I love the podcasting industry. I am in the industry and I distill all the information down so that I can help you launch your show step-by-step without all that overwhelm. Hi, my name is Mary Chan, CEO, blah, 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 blah. Right? It's just practicing saying that all the time. And when people hear you say it with that confidence, even if you stutter, even if you say, um, or ah, it's fine. (laughs) But just having something to say, um, is that practice? Is that marketing? And then people are like, I want to work with you because you sound like you know what you're talking about. Whether you actually know what you're talking about or not doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. because like but Andrea and I were figure. saying, we don't know. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, we'll figure it out. You can, <laughs> yeah. everything is figure outable. I mean, exactly. It, it's, you yeah. know, I, I, yeah. that's awesome. I love that. So marketing is just anytime you talk about your show, your show, your, show. your work. Say you're in client mode now. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, and I would say the same. Uh, I'm not as consistent as I would like to be with marketing efforts, but I, you know, like sometimes I'm more active on Instagram. Sometimes I feel more like LinkedIn for a little while. Sometimes I'm doing more speaking gigs. Sometimes I'm producing content for not only my original show, The Creative Imposter, but the show that I started in order to do marketing for my podcast services, which is Podcast Envy. And sometimes I take three months off from my show because I'm busy with client work and something has to give and it's going to be the thing that I'm not getting paid to do, unfortunately. Um, so it, 
it is my strategies are a little bit all over the place, but they all kind of circle around. Like sometimes I'll be more active in one area than in another, but for sure, just like getting the relationship building and letting people in your circle, in your network, in your social circle, like it doesn't even have to be business networking. It can actually sometimes even just be social things. Know clearly what it is that you do and being able to say that with confidence they may not ever listen to your podcast. They may not ever check out your client's stuff. But then when they hear somebody say, I want to start a podcast, I'm looking for somebody to help me edit my podcast. They'll be like, oh yeah, Mary does that. Oh yeah, Carrie does that. Oh yeah, Brian does that. And then you're like the first name that rolls off uh, the tip of their tongue because you have consistently and repeatedly put that message out there. And one thing that I have started doing that I really like that's been fun is sharing more of my clients content on social. Mm-hmm. So rather than just like posting about myself all the time, even though I always get the best engagement from selfies, I don't even like doing selfies, but they get the best engagement. And they so do. that's why it's I do algorithm. them. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> totally. I don't, it's my selfies in my notebook. Anytime I pick a, take a picture of my notebook, people like, <laughs> I, I don't get it, but okay. Um, but yeah, like sharing my clients content And now that a lot of my clients have gotten into audiograms, it's super easy for me to share that on Instagram. And that is, again, the social proof like Mary was talking about. It's A, boosting my clients' content for them. And then it's also B, people can see like, oh, she works with a flooring company. I would have never guessed that. Maybe, you know, maybe my company is right for her and that sort of thing. So it helps those potential clients also sort of self-select by seeing other client work that you're doing. I like that. I, I, I usually share client work, but that's not usually why. Like <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Or like, this is something really insightful. So um, yeah, I don't really have a marketing strategy except for like, no, I don't really have a marketing strategy at this point. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit better that you know i'm not the only one that doesn't have a content calendar with seven posts a day oh and, no i don't yeah. do that no yeah. no no That's who has time for that yes, yeah exactly. uh, the, the, probably just the people selling the course I'm just <laughs> but again it depends what is your goal for social media if your goal sure. is to sell yourself on social media yes you need to probably do those seven posts a day and try and get people to look at your post as it flies by on the algorithm and they're scanning yeah. but for me, again, it is only about social proof. For when people directly click on my profile to look at who I am and what I've done. I don't actually care about the algorithm and who follows me because the only people I'm attracting are the people who want to work with me and they're doing their Google research on me. Now, I will say that like when I was starting out, I did do a lot more social media. I was kind of building up that social proof that, you know, and putting myself out there. So I think if that you're just starting out, then maybe you want to, you know, lean into the social media and the providing value on social media, like more heavily and then build up kind of this catalog, this body, it's like a right. body of work, a body yes. of micro content that you can then have so that later on, and as your business grows and as you get busy, you don't have to do it quite so much anymore. So, And yes. I think it also depends what you enjoy doing because 
I can't remember if it was the same business coach that I was working with or if it was somebody else was saying, there are all of these different channels for marketing your business. No matter what kind of business you're in, there's so many different channels and you don't have to do all of them. And you certainly don't have to do all of them all the time, but you can pick and choose the ones that you enjoy doing and start with those and really focus on those. So if it's speaking gigs or if it's Instagram, or if it's blogging, or if it's LinkedIn, or if it's podcasting, like whatever it is, like really dive into those ones because the less you enjoy doing it, it's just hard. Just work. Yeah, you're just not going to do it. Is what's yeah. going to end up happening. You're yeah, going to do it. Yeah. But um, so Michael Jerry has um a comment, and he said he's never heard of social proof before. So can you kind of explain what that is, uh, Mary, for everybody, just in case? Uh, it's again, when people want to work with you, they will always do the research on you. Do you have a website? They're going to check out all your social media handles and all the different platforms. Are you there? Who are you? Because people want to work with people who they know, like, and trust. And so I call it social proof because it shows people I'm a human being that I'm a real person and that I just don't have this website that's up that some random person put together. So they can actually see that, you know, I I might talk about my family or uh, the food that I make or the knitting and sewing that I do so that I'm a real person and that I'm just not here to try and sell you and sell you and sell you on something that I want to create a little relationship with you if we do work together. Right. So it's like you are who you say you are. You do what you say, what you do, and you aren't interested in serving people. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the values that I have. You know, I didn't want to work on those car commercials because I felt like they were the sleazy car salesman. So I didn't want to be a sleazy car salesman. Um, I wanted to have that personal relationship when I work with someone so that I needed proof of that. And how do I do that? without actually talking to them one-on-one. Well, I know people Google and when they Google, they find you. And so that's the proof I share. Right, right. Well, I mean, this has been absolutely like, I mean, we could just keep going because I mean, y'all are fascinating. Um, But it's time for our podcast question of the day. And this is podcast focused since it's International Podcast Day. Brian, do you want to take it from here? Yeah, but can I call an audible? I'd like to change the question at the last minute. Oh, yeah. um, So normally we do a Poddex question of the day. I've actually got it right here, but this has been so much fun. I just want to, like, if you could get podcasters to stop doing one thing, what would that thing be? And I'll go first because I know I just sprung it on you. I would get podcasters to stop asking, what's the best microphone every seven seconds? That's mine. <laughs> mine would be probably how do I grow my audience when they don't even have it their podcast linked on their Facebook page? Like that oh, drives please. me nuts. Yes. That is the because the first thing I do when somebody asks that question is I look on their personal profile and I'm like, I don't think you're a podcaster. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Social proof right there, right? That's it. Yeah. Yep. If I could get this podcaster to stop doing one thing, I keep 
thinking about something very specific, but it always comes back to stop thinking and just do it, yes. whatever it may be. Stop. You're going to talk yourself out of it. And if you're going to talk yourself out of it, why get into it in the first place? Just dive in and fail. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I love it. Because you learn from that. And that's what we did. We just dove in. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Then you tweak it and you make it better the next time around. We didn't get here by succeeding. Let me tell you. Yeah. No. (laughs) I was just going to say what Helen just put up on the comments. I've just started. Why don't I have X number of downloads? And yeah, the, the, the various ways in which podcasters try to measure and define success very early on. The lo- I feel like the longer you podcast, the less you look at your numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the happier of a podcaster you are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think that we don't even talk about our downloads for the show. Like <laughs> I not do check at all. them. Yeah. I I will check like once every couple months. And but we don't ever discuss it. Like so. No, I mean, because if we did, we'd try and reverse engineer success, and then that would just suck the life out of the show. Yeah, right. Half of the fun is that we don't know what we're doing either. So, I did really quickly. I did something dangerous with my clients. It was an experiment um, recently, last month, where I offered them a Zoom call with any of my clients could attend, and most of them have never met each other, and we it was a workshop about stats and downloads and how to interpret them and what they do mean and what they don't mean. And I asked for case studies who would be willing to sh- for me to show your, your um, stats to the other clients and, and tell you how I'm interpreting your stats and what I can see in them that you might not be able to see. And uh, everyone wanted to volunteer, of course, to, sh- <laughs> to have be the case study. Uh, so I selected four. And I was very specific because every client that I selected has been podcasting for a different amount of time has a different industry, a different purpose for why they're podcasting. And so I had to be very explicit. Like when you look at the stats I'm going to show you, they have nothing to do with your stats. Like this client stats has nothing to do with yours. So you cannot compare anything you see. So whether you're looking at their numbers and you're like, oh my God, how did they get so many downloads? Why don't I have that? Or if you're looking at those numbers and you're like, wow. They're still podcasting after all this time, and that's all they have. Am I doomed? You know, like, to only have that many. You, it doesn't mean anything for you. So that was my my dangerous experiment that I did, and it actually was really enlightening for a lot of the clients because they could see that it's not about the numbers. Oh, that's a really good experiment, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I, I can hear like light bulbs going off um, in the future as people yeah. listen to. <laughs> I'd probably be too scared to do that with my clients. So, yeah. Yeah. Now they're asking for more. They want to talk about sponsors next. And I'm like, no, no. no. (laughs) Not yet. No. No. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, so this is, I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Before we start closing. Oh, Brian, do you want to tell somebody how to be a guest if they want to be in uh, Andrea or Mary's shoes? Yeah. 
Yeah, should I do it in my announcer voice? Yes, please. <laughs> Absolutely, Carrie. If you'd like to be a guest on the Podcast Editor's Mastermind, go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. Fill out that little form. We'll just ask for a little bit of information to find out what you'd like to talk about, what you might be an expert in, or where you might need help. That will immediately go to Daniel's spam folder. And then every couple of weeks, he'll pull that out. He'll check it. He'll reach out to you. And we'll get you scheduled just like we did with Andrea and Mary. Uh, so yeah, podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. Awesome. Okay. And then before we close everything down, I do want to um, give a shout out to podcast. No, sorry. Podfest Origins. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but they're doing a hybrid uh, in-person and virtual event. And I think everybody should sign up because Friday, October 29th, for the virtual event, Lee Wei Horror and I are emceeing their Halloween uh, little event. We're going to dress up. We're going to have, you know, fun little games to do in between speakers. And of course, there's going to be awesome speakers to learn from. But we're also uh, going to be uh, doing a uh, little ghost story thing where you can submit your 60 second ghost story and we're going to be playing them throughout the day. So uh, I'm really excited about this. So I just, you know, go. If you're not signed up for this, go. Go. This is like a virtual event you need to go to and hang out with me for the day. <laughs> I mean, there's it. more stuff, but like just <laughs> mainly on Friday. But with mostly, you mostly ghost stories. Yes. yes. Lee. Mostly <laughs> ghost stories and Halloween fun. And dress up. Please dress up. Please come in costume. Um, yeah, that's it. So thank you, everybody, um, everybody for joining us. We really appreciate you hanging out with us and, and you know, contributing to our conversation with Mary and Andrea. Um, I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com or on Instagram at Carrie Eric. I'm Brian Inspin. You can find me at toptieraudio.com or on the social places at Top Tier Audio. And below me is... My name is Mary Chan of Organized Sound Productions. You can find me at organized with a Z, I am Canadian, dot C-A. Uh, and hang out on Instagram sometimes. Come, come find me. Say hi. And I am Andrea Klender of the Creative Imposter Studios at thecreativeimposter.com and the Creative Imposter on Instagram and on LinkedIn. I'm just regular old Andrea Klender. Thanks, everybody. Yay. Bye. Yay. Bye. 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 Jazz hands. <laughs>